got fingernails. <laughs> My fingernail missed the button. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, before we get started, uh, I know I've had uh, just a guy Friday night asked me to pray for him, just having trouble on the job, and then I seen him again yesterday a little bit, and he filled me in a little bit more. And so it was really neat. Uh, I was kind of praying for him this morning as I'm reading my Bible, and I I just thought of him, so I sent him a verse, and I guess what I want to say is not, you know, it's great that I'm praying for my friend, but uh, when I texted him and told him what God shared with me out of his word for my friend, it really touched him. And, you know, that that's the spirit, you know, there's a unity that we have. I mean, we, we know what each other looks like, but we, we are more than just a physical body and person. We have a spirit, don't we? And it's really good when you can connect on a spiritual level. And so I'm kind of thinking of Job and his friends. And, and uh, you know, this is the third round of their volley of discussion. And I know some things that their friends told Job had to hurt him. And every once in a while, he'll kind of respond to some. And sometimes it's in anger. And sometimes it's a rebuttal. And and so uh, there's just there's a spiritual level that uh, anyway I uh, you know Job has wanted to die he's wanted to you know curse the day of his birth and and all these things but today he says that he knows that when he's tried he'll come forth as gold he he knows God has kind of got him in the pressure cooker of life and he's really pressed down and and uh, I wanted you guys to kind of know the devil kind of works from the outside in. He he's taken away his possessions, his health, his you know, and and his friend. He, the devil just works from the outside in, and and you know uh, when I was a teenager and going to school, and uh, you know we we went to church, and and I. As a religious person, I just try to clean up the outside. But really, when I got saved, God kind of cleans you up from the inside out. I, I hope, I hope you understand that. So, you know, most of what Job says, he, he doesn't talk about, uh, he's really focused on his walk with the Lord and his relationship with Him. And yeah, he's lost everything, but he's, he's still got that connection. And uh, if you if you ever think about just the cross of Calvary, you know it's vertical and it's horizontal. So, you know the two greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it is love thy neighbor as thyself. And uh, it's the horizontal relation. I mean, we have a horizontal relationship with each other. And you know, you know, most of the talk shows, whether it be, you know, Oprah Winfrey or Phil Donahue back in the day, or you know, Montel Williams, or you know, those are they're trying to address these relationships without this relationship. And we really have to get God first. I mean, the up and down pole of the cross is a lot longer than the horizontal and. Uh, so when we get that right, and uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if any of you have heard of, I think it's Charles Finney. He was a little more of a charismatic person, just kind of in one of the one of the great awakenings in our country. But uh, I mean, they it was said of this man just that the power of God was so heavy on him. It's just like. When he came into town, you know, people just felt the presence of God and they were moved to, you know, be right with the Lord themselves. And they asked him one time, just, you know, you know, Mr. Finney, uh, how do you get so many people to come out and, and hear you? I mean, he would preach to thousands and, you know, that was before they had speakers and amplifiers and microphones. And, and what he said was, he says, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to see, see if I get it right, what he said. 
is just like he he just said, I am so on fire for the Lord that people show up to watch me burn. And uh, I don't feel like I speak with passion, but I hope you know, I mean, I've been walking with the Lord. I got saved 31 years ago last week. And I do have a zeal for the Lord. I am passionate. I don't always communicate that well. But we've tried to, you know, honor the Lord in our marriage, with our kids, our home, our job, and uh, our, our uh, <clears throat> you know, our place here at this church. And so we, we love it here. We love God's Word. And I hope that that uh, comes out a little bit in, in uh, our messages about Job. But... If, let's let's go ahead and start in verse one and two, uh, Ammon. If you'll read those of chapter twenty-three. Hmm. Yeah. So he. Uh, this is a, a heavy stroke. He he's got this complaint that's bitter, and this uh, groaning. And it reminds me of, uh, it's a little different, but you know, when we pray, uh, I gave you the reference there in Romans 8, it, it says that the Spirit maketh groanings, it makes intercession for us, and it makes groanings which cannot be uttered. And uh, I had, uh, what was it, uh, not gallbladder. Uh, I had kidney stones a couple years, well, five years ago. And uh, it is so painful. But have you ever been in pain where you're just groaning? It's like, I can't get comfortable. I'm just hurting. I'm just, you know, I'm just moaning and groaning. Well, that that's kind of how Job is. It's just like... He is, his body's hurting, his spirit's hurting, and he's, uh, in, in verse 3, Pam, uh, read that if you would. So that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Now, what, what do we call the seat of God? Judgment seat or mercy seat? Uh huh. And, and sometimes we call it a throne, but I had you put uh, just the word seat in your in your blank there. <clears throat> he he is uh, searching for the Lord. Anyway, this is the right thing, isn't it? Uh, when we're hurting, when we're groaning, it's just like, oh, you know, I wish I could uh, really speak to the Lord and find Him and come even to his seat. And uh, yeah, Pat, I hadn't thought about the mercy seat there. That was good. I know there's the judgment seat of Christ, a place of judgment. And let's look at those Hebrew verses there. I gave you a couple references. Let's hold our place here and look at the Hebrews uh, 10. Hebrews 10. And then Hebrews 12. Suzanne, you uh, got it electronically? Yeah. Can you do the 1012? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand right hand of God. Yeah, so that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. After he sacrificed on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of God. So he was seated. And then what's chapter 12 say? Go ahead, do that one too, Suzanne, if you would, 12-2. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the fisher of our faith, who who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah, so that calls it the throne of God. Now, um... I was glad, Pat, you jogged my memory there, that mercy seat. So when when Moses was uh, commanded to build the tabernacle, he was to pattern it after the things he saw, the heavenly tabernacle, and he designed the Ark of the Covenant, and on top of the Ark of the Covenant, he put the mercy seat with the two cherubims that were facing each other, and I think their wings were to touch in the back. 
But if, if you think about that mercy seat, it, and uh, the width the width of it was uh, two and a half cubits. And uh, just a normal cubit is 18 inches, and they say uh, the king's cubit is like 24 inches. So this was 42 inches uh, up to 60 inches, I think. So it's, uh, you know, it's enough room for two people. So I, I think it's cool that if God's on his throne and Christ is at his right hand, this mercy seat's big enough for two people. And uh, it's, it's really cool uh, to think about it like that. <clears throat> and so literally two people could sit down on the mercy seat. And it was in the uh, Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And then even in the temple that Solomon built. So that is, anyway, I mean, Job is telling all this before the Bible's written. There's no written Bible. So the knowledge he has of the Lord, uh, you know, exceeds ours, uh, probably. So, okay, back to Job. And, uh, Belinda, if you could do 4 through 6 of 23. I would order my cause before him until my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me, and understand what he would say unto me. Yeah, one more. Will he plead against me with his great power? No. He would put strength in me. Yeah, so he is uh, describing uh, that, you know, you know, uh, I think it's the 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 group called Mercy Me that wrote the song I Can Only Imagine. And uh, I really like that song. Some people say, well, you don't have to imagine. The Bible tells you what it's going to be like. But, you know, he says, will I dance before you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Or will I bow down before you? I mean, he, he can only imagine. And so I, I think that's... Uh, Job is I think earlier in the book he said something uh, to that effect yeah let's look back at Job 9 for just a minute look at Job 9.14 he says something about talking to the Lord 9.14 and 15 says how much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him, whom though I were righteous, yet I would not answer, but I would make supplication to my judge. So there he's, he's kind of saying, I don't know, I would try to choose words to reason with God, even though I'm righteous, I, I don't think I would answer about that, but when we get to 23, he's had a little more time to think about it, and he's like, you know what, I, I would order my cause before the Lord, I would fill my mouth with arguments, you know, like, God, you know, why is this happening, and I didn't deserve this, maybe... And uh, he would know the words that the Lord would answer. And he believes God would strengthen him, is what he's saying there. And so he he kind of has a clean conscience that, you know, if we stood before the Lord, we'd maybe say, woe is me. You know, you're right, God, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have thought that. And, you know, we might have do different. But anyway, that, that's good to think about because we will stand before the Lord one day, won't we? And... Um, we will stand before the judgment seat. It says uh, we should. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So now, in verse seven, uh, Pat, would you go back to twenty three and read verse seven for us? Okay. It says there the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. Right. Now. Um, Obviously, Job has questions. And let me ask you this. Do you think it's okay to question God? It's okay to ask, you know, why does this happen? Why? Okay. 
I mean, just like we did, our kids ask us, you know, hey, mom, why does this happen? Don't yeah. So, Kid, kids go through a why stage yeah. for sure. Um, we all do. Yeah. I think, I think what he said at the end of that verse, uh-huh. before I come before my judge, we can ask questions. Sometimes we ask questions where we're, on, we're judging God. Why? How could you do this? Why? Uh-huh. You know, when we're sitting in the judgment seat. Uh-huh. Or we can ask questions where we're asking him, like, you're the judge. Let uh, me know, you know, set, you know, tell me. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, out of curiosity. Yeah, I think he wants. Uh, any any other thought? What are you What are you girls thinking? You're thinking your wheels are turning. I have people that ask ask questions of me all the time when I'm in the room diagnosing stuff. They're wanting to know this, and I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know if they, and some of them do want to know if I don't know what I'm talking about. Huh. But it's. How they ask it, some of them no problem at all. Other people are like, and that's it. That's not look at it. It's like in how you ask. Okay. And uh, what I had you put in your blank there is just the word uh, doubt. I do. I do think it's okay to question God and and especially if it's a sincere question, like you're saying. But you know, if we shouldn't doubt God, should we? It's like you know, Lord, I don't know why you're, I'm going through this, but yeah, I trust you. And uh, I think that that may have been a quote I, I put in here later. That this guy says, uh, "The more we depend on God, the more we realize how dependable He is." And so, anyway, I think Job is doing this right. He's got a clear conscience. He's like you're saying, Pat. He, he he's our he's our judge, and we he uh, he judges righteously. And so, any anything else or? Well, he could do the things you don't know what to show. Just stop and look at what's going on. Just look at what happened with me and Chris. But I do a lot of I take care of people that are probation people. I do yearly assessments on them, mental assessments. I take care of a lot of people that are on probation, and the, their POs know me. Huh. And I take care of people that have been in jail, that have been in treatment programs. And there's some that I have. Chris has taught me a lot. Huh. I'm sure. Yeah. I did that because of where I'm at. Yeah. In my treatment of other people. Hmm. It well, gives me an understanding of how their lives are. Huh. Well, before that, I didn't know. Before that, I was raised, you know, middle class, lived in the country, played. Uh huh. Didn't have any idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other way of, way of thinking. What were you going to say, Rosie? I guess, especially when we're going through a really, you know, like I know, like when my mom was, uh, went through a rape and all night, it was like, God, why didn't you let this happen? Uh-huh. She didn't do anything. To, she was always taking care of everybody else. Huh. And, you know, and now, you know, of course, years later, you know, it wasn't you let it hurt anybody. Mm. You know, I need to understand that it actually brought us all together. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason. Walking away, you know, we got busy with our own lives. Hmm. And I I know they don't maybe sound right. I mean, it shouldn't, something shouldn't have somebody to Hmm. bring you together. Hmm. But I think even in God's saying, we kind of all go our own ways sometimes. Things he lets things happen to pull us back. Yeah, yeah. To make us learn. Well, uh, yeah. What are you saying, Belinda? Well, um, I found out that my auntie really, really, my auntie never had any children. Never had any children. She never had any children of her own. When uh, you know, my mom had me, when she got pregnant. She was twenty. Abortion was huh. So, my mom went to my auntie and told her she was pregnant. My auntie wanted to adopt me, but she couldn't, whatever, whatever, and she didn't. But in retrospect, she, me and her have determined that my walk with the Lord is probably stronger because I was raised with an unbelieving mother huh. versus, you know, hmm. being raised with. But, you know, and she was asking, you know, my mother was like, why did I have to get pregnant? And my auntie was asking, you know, why? 
Hmm. Hmm. That's a good verse. Yeah, yeah. They kind of God. God is sovereign. He's overall, and yeah, you, that's probably true. I mean, there was a reason. So, well, let's read eight and nine. Uh, Emma, we're back to you, brother. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot receive him. And the left hand, or he goes forward, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, but he cannot see him. Yeah, so Job kind of feels forsaken here. He's uh, he sees like on verse nine on the left hand where he doth work. I I cannot behold him, so he couldn't see and understand. So he, he kind of feels forsaken. Now I I gave you a couple verses from Deuteronomy. Let, let's look at those. We we got it's kind of a short chapter today. So let's do Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy 31. And I'll read those. Uh, Deuteronomy 31, 17, and 18. And here it says, Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evil come upon us, because our Lord is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, in that they are turned unto other gods. And so I guess uh, in that example, God's people turn to idols and God uh, turns His face from them and evil comes upon them. And so that's, that's really a reference to the, the tribulation period. This, uh, these troubles and that day and evil comes upon them. But uh, Israel in the tribulation will uh, turn to the Lord and be purged of their sin. But Job, Job feels that uh, he can't find God right now. And uh, now, does anybody know what Amos chapter three and verse three says? It's a famous verse. Is that the one about the famine? Uh, no, no. Uh, I just looked it up. It's about two walking together. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, that's my teaching point here. At the end of questioning, God is our judge and we must agree with Him. So I just put the word agree. Yeah. And so that's kind of a famous verse. You know, whether it be uh, where you go to church, you you hope you agree with the church you go to, you uh, are in business with someone, you need to be in agreement with your business partners, you know, at work, we need to be in agreement with our co-workers, you know, two can't really, in our marriages, we have to have the, you know, you you used to hear that uh, opposites attract, and that's true. I mean, I think Angie and I are very different in many ways, but they've they've done some studies on that, and what they've concluded is is that even though your men and women are are different in many ways, their core values need to be the same. That you need to value the same thing, kind of have the same, be going the same direction. I mean, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, so. At least on the main things, you need to be in agreement, and uh, otherwise you just can't walk together. That's what the Word of God says. So, you can't raise kids together. Yeah, if you don't agree with how to raise your kids, they need to be uh, in agreement on that. So that that's a good example. 
Well, let's go to this uh, last half here. So verse 10 is kind of a famous verse, and Pam will let you read that. Uh, Job 23.10 But he knoweth the way that I face. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, I gave you several references there. We don't necessarily need to look at them, but all of them are talking about, you know, kind of being purified and kind of going through the fiery, fiery trials. And uh, I gave you a little uh, poem there, and uh, I know Royal Sloggenbush wrote this for me. I don't know where he got it, but this gold illustration, it says, Gold in its natural state is full of impurities. Hey, I don't know if you guys seen it. This may have not been true, but they said that they mined a... Uh, like a gold nugget. It showed a picture of like a track hoe. I mean, this was a big enough block of gold that they dug out that they said it was worth $27 million, This this one piece of gold that they found recently. I don't know if it's true or not. But anyway, it, it you could tell it was kind of golden, but it was it was dirty too, and that's what this reminded me of. Uh, it's full full of impurity. So the process of purifying gold requires it to be heated until it melts. The fire burns off the impurities and leaves the pure gold behind. We in our natural state are full of impurities, uh, sins, the flesh. Such is the purpose of infirmities, trials, and temptations in our lives. These turn up the heat so we melt before God and He burns off the dross. I don't know if you've ever heard of that word. The dross is just the impurities. Uh, it's called the same thing with silver. It, there's... I don't know if that word's in the Bible or not, but anyway, I really like that illustration because it serves to purify, doesn't it? And so, I thought of that recently. I'm trying to think if that is that my teaching point here. Look at the yeah, my teaching point here on the second page, the back of your paper. If if fiery trials refine and purify us, then we should welcome them. I put the word fiery in. I mean, maybe on a human perspective it doesn't make sense, but... Uh, and listen to me on this, because if you're not going through a trial right now, you probably will, but if in some way you can you can thank God in the middle of that trial, like, God, you're doing a work in my life, it's very uncomfortable, I don't like it, but I trust you, and this will give you peace in the storm, won't it? And you, you've been in storms, but if you fight it and you just get angry or bitter... You know, you can get better or you can get better, right? And and uh, hopefully the Lord is, you know, changing us for the better. And uh, I'll have us look at that verse there uh, a little bit later because uh, I gave you a reference from Daniel. Remember when Daniel, his three friends, we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went through... They were literally cast alive into a fiery furnace, and it served to loose them. That they got loose in the fire. They were they went in bound and they came out free. And so, uh, if, if that's what the next time you go through a trial, if you can have, you know, a little more of a, a long term mind. I mean, we're always focused on the here and now, but. If we can think, you know, this is happening, God, you're trying me, and I am going to trust you through it, and I'm going to come out as gold. I mean, uh, boy, hats off to Job here. That's what he. That's where his faith is at. And uh, let's let's read verse eleven, uh, Suzanne. My foot hath held his step. My way has kept the way I have kept, and not before. Yeah. So he. This thing about when you talk about steps, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, even uh, AA is a 12-step program. Uh, 
and they're usually kind of incremental and, and really that's what walking is it's a, a, a steady progress a forward movement you know one step in another and uh, you know when you were just a little kid uh, for you to look up a flight of stairs, I mean, that's intimidating, isn't it? And so uh, there, there's a song that uh, it says, uh, don't stare up the stairs, just step up the step. And if you take one step at a time, you know, it's not too bad. But if you think, boy, I can never get up there. and uh, You guys probably remember the movie Rocky where he... Oh, yeah. You know, he run up those steps in Philadelphia, and they got the statue of him still. Uh, I watched Creed the other night. I didn't think Creed would be that good, but it was it was pretty good. I watched Creed 1. There's 2 and 3 out now, and I'm going to try to see them too. But anyway, uh, at the end of that movie, they, they went up those stairs. <laughs> Uh, Sylvester Stallone and the Creed's Apollo Creed's son. That's what it's about. But yeah. Um, but anyway, I gave you some verses about that. And uh, Proverbs there says, "A man deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps." And you know what? Uh, you may not know what the next step is for you, but if you devise your way, you know Jesus said, "I am the way." If if we if we decide we're going to follow Jesus, we may not know what that next step is, but if that's the way we're going, he he can direct those steps and bring people into your life. And you know, let me tell you something. Just a side note. Uh, Angie had a, a little procedure on Friday, uh, and it was it was an outpatient. It was no big deal, but you know, uh, they came got her while I was in the restroom, and I get out in the waiting room, and she's not there, and so I'm like, but you know what? There was this girl says uh, they took her back already, and they said they'll come get you, and I got to talking with her, and she was there with her mother, and. And uh, she she's in recovery, and it was really kind of a divine appointment that I get to talk with this girl. And we had about ten minutes before they came and got me, and I thought, wow, you know, the you know my my way is toward the Lord, but He directed my steps to meet this lady that we maybe we could help her. And after after I got Angie home and she was uh, taking a nap, I went to the gym and I ran into a guy that I discipled his dad, his stepdad. And uh, he may be here this morning. I was just like, man, God's putting all these people in my path. And it's just, it's like, wow. There, and uh, I really think there's a lot of people out there that would follow the Lord if we if we were following the Lord, He would bring those people into our lives. And I don't, I don't know how to say that any different. I've just really kind of marveled, like Lord, this you know this was effortlessly. I I'm just going through life, and you're bringing people into my life that uh, want to know you. And and I, I met another guy just the same day. He's like, yeah, I don't go to church, but I am a believer. I'd like to go, and he may come. It's like like three different things in one day. And it's like, okay, Lord, there's just a lot of people. Because you know, Leo Humphrey used to say, "There's more people that want to hear the gospel than there are people to share it with them." And I thought, no way, that's not true. But the law, I think he's right. It's just like if if our eyes were truly opened. And we uh, truly were all in for the Lord. I mean, that same evangelist used to say, don't pray for God to use you. Just become usable and God will wear you out. Don't, don't pray God use me. Just just become usable and, and God, will, God, will, God will use you. And He will use me. Amen? All right. Well, uh, verse 12. Uh, is it Belinda or Pat? I think it's Belinda. Verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary truth. 
Now there's another uh, very milestone verse. There's really the thing about gold and this. Uh, most of you know Del Lyle. He, he always used to say this that uh, Job esteemed God, God's uh, the words of God's mouth more than his necessary food. And you know, you and I can you know maybe go uh, time without food, but this is like. More important than the food that, to keep you alive. He said necessary food. And he uses the word words. And I know I've said this before, but it's good to say it again. Uh, words are the vehicle of thought. I don't know if you ever really thought about what words are. Your words tell me what you're thinking, and my words tell you what I'm thinking, and God's words tell you what He's thinking, doesn't it? These are God's thoughts, and He communicates it in actual words. That's why it's important that we believe not only is this God's Word, but they're His very words. And once once I kind of got my mind around that, it was like, whoa. So every word of God is pure. Okay. And He's preserved His words and they're lively words. And they're, they, they should be more important because they keep our soul alive whereas food just keeps our body alive. And so I gave you some examples uh, from the Bible how God's Word, the Bible, is likened to nourishing food. In 1 Peter 2.2, 2, uh, if you remember that, uh, I'm trying to think, that's where, uh, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. It's called the milk of the Word. And so we we all need that nourishment. And uh, Hebrews five twelve through fourteen talks about it being meat. So there's there's meaty things that you know you kind of have to chew on, and uh, it's maybe a little harder to digest. But the Bible contains meat. It contains bread. Jesus says that He is the bread of the of life, and uh, He's the bread that come from heaven like manna. And then you're blank there. Uh, somebody look up Psalm 19. Well, let's all look up Psalm 19. Psalm 19.10. Yeah, whoever's got it. Uh, Psalms, Proverbs. I guess it's just one verse. Who's got it? More than the desire of our head and no, yeah, so his words are better than gold and it's sweeter than honey. I had to put honey in your blank. And uh, this is a pretty wild thing. Is uh, I think I, I think it's probably on my phone, but. Uh, somehow I started getting emails from uh, a group called Interesting Facts. And so if the headline catches my attention, I read it. And this would happen to be about honey. And it said that they dug up like an Egyptian pharaoh and he was buried with honey. This honey was over 3,000 years old. And uh, it, it was still edible after 3,000 years. So honey is like the only food that doesn't uh, mold or corrupt or what they uh, spoil. It doesn't spoil. And so that, you know, that, and that kind of teaches us about the Bible, doesn't it? And it, and it uses gold and honey uh-huh. together there in Psalm 19. That's wild. <laughs> that is wild. Think about it. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. I do too. And so, uh, that's why I had you put in your blank. In Proverbs, a couple places, it talks about God's Word being like apples. And in Isaiah, uh, God's Word is like water. Uh, as the, the waters come from the heavens, so is my Word that goes forth. And in Ephesians, He washes the church with the washing of water by the Word. And then in Psalm 78, it's like vegetable. I think it's uh, corn it's compared to there. And uh, 
and then I gave you even at the bottom of your page there the Matthew 4 what happens in Matthew 4 do you guys remember Jesus was uh, tempted yeah. and he went about by bread and water. Yeah, he fasted for those. And so Jesus, and every time the Satan tempted him, he said, it is written. And and that uh, so Jesus also esteemed God's word more than his necessary food, didn't he? He's like, you know, I've been 40 days and nights without food, but... Um, he was still had the word of God sharp in his his mind and in his mouth. All right, well let's look at this back page here. So that that's a pretty powerful statement that Job esteems God's word more than his necessary food. Now, verse uh, thirteen and fourteen. Uh, Emmett, do you want to read those for us? But he is in one line. Yeah. Now I I think maybe more than any other place in Job this talks about the sovereignty of God and, and we probably don't say we probably don't use that term maybe as much as some churches might. Uh, I don't have a definition in front of me right now, but uh, basically uh, God is almighty. That's what omnipotent means. And in, in my notes, Job, Job is just saying no one can turn God. He God does what He wants to. Nobody can stop Him. You know, He has a plan. And he will perform it. It says, as it is appointed unto me that that Emmett read. And uh, and he says, many such things are with him. And so what I put in your blank there is just the word uh, submissive. I think we, we see Job's heart there is... He's just like, you know, whatever's appointed to me, you know, that's what God's going to do. And, I, you know, I reverence Him. And this is, I gave you a couple quotes here I thought was pretty good. When we depend on God, we find that He is dependable. A guy named Sir Cliff Richard said that. And then Warren Wiersbe says, The future is our friend when Jesus is our Lord. So we don't have to be afraid. Anyway, I thought that was, and uh, it was the guy I heard say that uh, uh, said it about these two verses here. That you know, Job's like, I guess this is appointed to me. I guess I'm going through. You know, I'm just going to esteem God's word more than my necessary food. Whatever He does, even though I can't find Him on my right hand or left hand, I feel like He's forsaken me. I'm going to come forth as gold. And so, uh, in verse 15, it's, he says, Therefore am I troubled as his, at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. And, you know, there was four things that, uh, Pam, I cut you off there. Let's, Pam, would you read Job 1 1 for us? Let's go back to Job chapter 1. And there's four things that are said about Job here. Uh, do one one for us. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Yeah, so these four things. He, uh, he was perfect, he was upright, he feared God, and he eschewed evil. And that's what Job is saying here. You know, he's troubled. He don't understand what's going on. Back in chapter 23, uh, I'm really troubled at his presence. When I think about it, I'm kind of afraid of God. But I, I mean, I think it's a healthy fear. And, uh, you know, sometimes the day of the Lord is called a, a dreadful day. I don't know if you ever just dread something, but uh, when you dread something, you're actually fearful of it. In fact, I seen I looked up the word dread, and it was uh, almost every time the word afraid or fear was mentioned. It I fear the dread of him, or I'm. Uh, 
But anyway, uh, whenever I read this, that Job is troubled and he's afraid of the Lord, there's a certain dread to that. Like, uh, I know I don't know if any of you, probably some of you know uh, Pat Shell. Do you remember Pat Shell? She worked in the office here. Uh, with with Kathy kind of she was kind of our financial lady and she is the very first person that was baptized at this church uh, I think she may have been one of the first people saved at, at the Bible study that this church was started with and uh, uh, some of her she's lost two of her children and I think one of one of her remaining children is in prison and uh, I forget what I asked her one time. I was kind of like, you know, Pat, do you ever just wonder why God's allowing this to happen in your life or something? And she goes, yeah, but she says, I know too much to be angry at God. She's like, you know, when she she thinks of the Lord, she, you know, she just knows God's got a plan and she's uh, going to roll with it like Job is here. And she's like, I know, and, you know, those of us that have been saved for a little bit, uh, you know, Paul even said, knowing the uh, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He he knew how uh, holy and righteous and pure God was, so therefore it prompted him to go and tell others. And so that that's a good healthy fear there. And then these last two verses are kind of a paradox. Uh, Suzanne, would you read 16 and 17? For God, God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubles me, because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither, no, neither hath he covered the darkness from my face. Yeah, so he... God made his heart soft, but he's still troubled. It's kind of a paradox. He was not cut off before. I mean, he's kind of lived through all his trouble. It didn't kill him. Uh, but now let's look at this Daniel 3. Let's all go there. we got uh, got 12 minutes here. I thought we might just look at this story from Daniel chapter 3, the fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ezekiel Daniel. And uh, let's read uh, 16. Uh, Belinda, do you want to just read all those 16 through 30? (laughs) Chapter 3 of Daniel. 16. Yeah, 16 through 30, all the way. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire of and he will deliver us out of thine hands, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they should eat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that stood up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was the hair of their heads singed, neither was their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel, and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speaks anything amiss against the gods of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a hill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Thank you, Belinda. That was you did you nailed every word there, I think. So thank you. So wow, there's a great lesson there, isn't it? I mean we can look at many things. If you go clear back to verse seventeen, uh, they they were convinced that God was able to deliver them. And so I like that. I I, I talked to a man whose uh, wife uh, had brain cancer, and uh, it looked like she was going to die, and, and she did die. But he, he just said, "Steve, you know what I have to believe is I have to believe that God is able." And uh, so that that's where Shadrach and Meshach were. He's like, "God is able to deliver us," but they say, "Even if He doesn't, we're not going to serve you or your gods." And so I, I really like. Uh, the boldness and uh, I wish I could say the quote that I'm thinking of right now but it, it it basically says you know when when courageous men take a stand it emboldens the spines of others and uh, boy whenever these three men like okay we'll go to the fiery furnace and they survive I mean I bet there were some other people you like you know what their God is God right it made other people take notice and so I really like the outcome even the king says you know what you've changed my words and I'm just going to make a decree that if anybody doesn't serve your gods then he almost makes a law against that that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. So you can't even talk bad about uh, their God or, or, or it's uh, payable by death. So anyway, I love this story. And they believe that this uh, fourth man is none other than the Son of God, uh, Nebuchadnezzar believes that uh, God sent his angel and uh, there's times in the Old Testament where Christ they they call that uh, Christophany uh, uh, the appearance of Christ in the Old Testament and he appears sometimes as the angel of the Lord they think that he was uh, the captain of the Lord's host that that, uh, Joshua saw and uh, anyway there's, there's other times that uh, the angel of the Lord appears and they think it's none other than Jesus Christ's appearance in the Old Testament. And so very very, very likely, he's, he's like the Son of God at the end of verse 25. And they were loosed in the fire. They didn't suffer any hurt. They, they had on their hosen, their hats, and their other garments. So they had a lot of burnable things on it. And it, it ended up killing the mighty men that threw them in there. So... Uh, the fire was hot enough 
And I think it was Solomon that developed a way to mold brass in clay. And uh, so they think that maybe this uh, oven, this furnace here, is where he was, uh, you know, burning, uh, making the brass from copper and iron. I don't know how, quite how they make brass, but they think that's because he had set up this uh, this golden image, and they think that these furnaces is where they were, you know, doing the work of the gold. But anyway, I really like that story. And uh, the last of your section here, I I think probably one of the last times in Job, we'll, we'll go through. I've got kind of a a study guide. I, I cut and pasted this from. These are what I believe are some common sayings that we might say that are found in the Book of Job. And I kind of made these up just as I'm reading the Bible. I I think, well, that sounds like a familiar statement. So I thought we might just go through them real quick under the common sayings found in the book of Job. Uh, escaped by the skin of my teeth. So Job 19 mentions skin of your teeth. Uh, I was born that way. Job 5.7. A league. Uh, Job talks in chapter 5 about making a league of something. Uh, I put read my lips. I don't know what that one says. Uh, Job 40 talks about being decked a certain way. We say people are decked out. Uh, with friends like that, who needs enemies? This is talking about Job's friends. Uh, older than the hills, Job 15. And this one I do believe is solid. The, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. It says almost exactly that in Job 1. And Job 3 uh, put the word death wish because he was wishing to be dead. And uh, I was afraid this was going to happen. Uh, that's basically what it says that Job 3, what he feared happened. And your hair standing on end in Job 4. That's a life as uh, has kind of a hair raising experience. Uh, you can't take it with you, uh, Job one and First Timothy six. The patience of Job—that's what uh, J- James five eleven says. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, Job two. Don't cry over spilled milk, Job ten. Put yourself in my place. I think Job says that. Uh, post. There, there was a man who was a messenger that was called a post. And we, we use postman today. Uh, can't see straight. Job 17. Lights out. Job 18. In the dark. Job 12. I didn't have a verse for that one. Uh, bad to the bone. Uh, let's see what that, we're right here in Job. Let's, I didn't look all these up again. Look at Job 20, verse 11. What does it say? Uh, who's got that? Uh, Pat, you want to read 2011 for us? It says, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be hmm. right. That's 2011. No. His bones are full. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in Proverbs. That's all right. Uh, Who else had it? His bones are full. Full of. Then his youth, which he lies down with, which shall lie down with him in the dust. So bones are full of sin. So that made me think of bad to the bone. (laughs) So it does have bones. It does have sin. Uh, venting. <laughs> who says that? <laughs> Is that who sang it? Yeah. <laughs> I think of that baseball movie, The League of Their Own. Charlie Sheen was bad to the bone. <laughs> I think of the song. Okay. I kind of liked it. Uh, just the word venting, uh, the the new wine and old bottles has to have some way to vent. Uh, sense enough to come in out of the rain. A fire breathing dragon is reference to the devil in Job 41, and then proud as a peacock, uh, Job 39. That might be where NBC got that. They're proud as a peacock. Anyway, uh, those are kind of some interesting things I wanted to. A little bit of a lighter note. Any any other thoughts? Uh, we're getting ready to close off a of Facebook. 
and uh, Dottie will pray for you. I think Dottie's got a surgery coming up. It's it's kind of minor, so I I think it'll be good. But we I'm sure she's always concerned when you. Yeah, uh, she told me that uh, they were going to scrape. They think one of her metal plates is kind of rubbing the bone, and they thought they could make an adjustment. It's not like a replacement or something. So it it is her hip, but I I think it was. She thought maybe the metal plate was rubbing something it shouldn't or something. I don't know. I feel like the older I get, I have more health discussions with people. Like, yeah, kind of hurt my shoulder. I tell Pat my shoulder hurts, and my other shoulder, my my good shoulder, still good. Or the one I got operated on is in good shape, but kind of hurt the other one a little bit. But you're just getting old. I, I keep telling my wife, you know, can can you go some more? Can we got a little little more life left in us? So, who wants to pray for us? Uh, Emma, would you pray for us today? Let's hear what's on your heart, brother. Uh, Father, we just want to, for this time, what we think is 